You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, yesterday was Veterans Day, and we want to honor our veterans. If you're a veteran, would you please stand? Thank you so much. Well, we're going to finish up Mark chapter 13. A lot of verses. I bet you're, you're holding your breath in anticipation to get through chapter 13. It starts with the temple and the disciples making the comment how magnificent it was, the structure, the stones, the building, and Jesus kind of blindsided them with the reality, knowing that in another 40 years, there's not gonna be one stone left upon another, that Jerusalem will be destroyed and the temple will be destroyed. So he shares, and that's where this passage comes out of. This is part three of the temple and the end, because the disciples, like all the other Jewish believers, believed that if the temple was destroyed, then the end of the world was present. It was all over. And so here, in a genre of literature known as apocalyptic literature, this is the little apocalypse that Jesus has in chapter 13, He's using language that we're not familiar with unless you've studied it. You'll find it in Daniel, you'll find it in Revelation, you'll find it in other places in the scripture, just short uh, references and phrases. But here we, we see that he's doing that, and as he's doing it, he's weaving in not only the destruction of the temple, but also his coming, the coming of the Son of Man, which once again, they equate with the end of the world, the end, uh, the eschatological end of all time. So here they are. We pick up in verse 24. But in those days, following that distress, okay, that gives us a clue where we are. This is after the destruction of the temple. Jesus is talking about in the days following the distress, the destruction of the temple, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. <clears throat> Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it's near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away 
He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Father, we ask that you would release your Holy Spirit in a way that would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you're saying to the church. Amen. But in those days, following that distress, the destruction of the temple, here he goes. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. What's he saying? His concern is that the believers would be deceived, that with the proclamation of false messiahs and and all the different kind of falsehoods that would be coming forth, he wanted to make sure that it was absolutely clear. The destruction of Jerusalem, there's going to be seasons, there's going to be signs, there's going to be things that give you indicators, like the fig tree, which we'll get into in a minute. He says those, those are going to come. You'll see, you'll have an awareness, you'll know that Rome is about to destroy Jerusalem and the temple. How, the abomination of desolation. When, when you see the sacred being totally disrupted by the pagan, you'll know that it's there. Now when he's talking about the coming of the Son of Man, he says, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't spend all your time trying to figure out when the second coming is. Don't get your maps and your chronology and 88 reasons why in 1988 the Lord's going to return. Don't waste your time on that. His whole point is, as we are waiting for his return, we should be busy about our Father's business. Period. Don't waste your time on that because when it happens, it's going to have a cataclysmic, cosmological uh, announcement. No one's going to think, oh, was, was that what he meant? No, the heavens. You're, you're going to see things in the sky. You're going to see the sun, the moon. You're going to see the stars. You're going to see, it is, nobody's going to miss it. I don't know if the trumpet will be a coronet, a, a, a bass trumpet, I, I, but when the blast happens, we'll all hear. You don't have to worry. He's, he's telling his disciples, don't waste your time. The destruction of, of the temple, here's some, here's some things to kind of let you know when it's coming, okay? But the coming of the Son of Man, nobody knows. So, so relax, relax, because when he comes, it will be the most awesome thing in the world. Why do you think the sun and the moon and the stars all, it's because of the presence, it's the glory. It's the glorious presence of the Lord. When he comes, all of creation in the universe is gonna go bonkos. It's gonna be spasmodic craziness. Everybody's going to know when he comes. 
So don't, you know, well, he's come. The Messiah's come again. Oh, really? I, well, yeah, so-and-so, he, he's a prophet. And he, he says, you know, the Lord came and he's over here. The Lord made it clear in his word that it's not going to be anything that should catch any of us off guard. It'll be something that you will see if you're in Africa, Australia, Europe, Asia, North America, South America, Central America, wherever you are, it will have such an impact that the whole world will know. Believers and unbelievers, everyone will see it. So don't worry about it. Don't spend all your time trying to figure it out. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds hmm, with power and glory. Glory seems to be a theme along with Jesus today. Mm -hmm. And he will send his angels because of his love and compassion for all his believers. And they will gather from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. All will be gathered unto the Lord. Wow. Now that's the end. That's the second coming. That's not Jerusalem. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. This is the first parable that he gives us. This is about the destruction of the temple. The fig tree, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, there's a sign on the tree. You can see it. You can know that summer's coming. You know that it's near. Even so, when you see these things happening, what are we talking about? Go back to the earlier part of the chapter. When you hear all the false prophets, false messiahs, you hear wars and rumors of wars, you, you, you have all the different craziness that's going on in the world, just know it's near. It's at the door. Mm. And then he says, I tell you the truth. This is one of the ways that we know he's talking about the temple destruction because he says, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. People that were living in Jesus' day were going to see the destruction of the temple. Then he goes on to make an eternal proclamation. I tell you the truth, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. See, the word of the Lord represents the Lord. It is the Lord. It's the Lord who speaks his word. And when his word comes from within him and it is spoken, it is eternal, enduring. It's different than our words. Our words may come and go, but the word of the Lord never changes. You can, you can rest on that. I think that's why when the Lord speaks something to your heart and you know it's the Lord, it's in there like concrete. You know that you know that you know that the Lord has said this and you can count on it. You can believe it. He says, let me be perfectly clear about one thing. I don't know if Jesus would use this vernacular, but read my lips. <laughs> no one knows that day or hour. 
I mean, he's making it clear. They wanted to know when it was going to be, and he never tells them. But he does give them enough information to say, you know, nobody knows when it's going to happen. No one knows when it's going to happen. Not even the angels in heaven. They don't know. They're there at the service of, the, of, of sovereign Lord, God Almighty. The Son, the Lord Jesus doesn't know. Only the Father knows. So what's he repeating over and over and over? Be on your guard. Be alert. Be awake. Be sober-minded. Don't drift. Don't fall asleep. Hmm. You do not know when that time will come. That's why, you know, we, we teasingly say that if you have something that you think it's from the Lord and you want to share it with the congregation, run it by me or one of the elders and let's find out. But if you're coming up and you're going to tell us that Jesus is coming back on a certain day, you will not be allowed to use the microphone to announce that because it is absolutely crystal clear that nobody knows. So that makes it easy for us. Nobody knows, not even the angels. Mm -hmm. So parable number two begins with, it's like a man going away. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge, each with an assigned task and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Well, I find this interesting. Don't waste all your time trying to figure out all the details of the time, but do your assigned task. But, Pastor, I don't know what my assigned task is. Ask him. Ask him. Lord, what is the task that you've assigned for me to do until you return? This is a good exercise. And if you've done that before, you might do an update and say, Lord, has, has you want to make any adjustments to the assigned task that I perceived 50 years ago when I came to you? Is there, is there any tweaking that you want to do with what you've assigned me to do for today? Now, the one at the door is to keep watch. But I've always assumed that all of us are supposed to keep watch. But there seems to be a, a special point of the person who's at the door, always watching, waiting for the owner of the house to return. Everybody else is going about with their normal assignments and tasks, but there are some who are kind of watchmen on the wall. They're called to watch, to keep looking for the Lord. Therefore, keep watch. Why? Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. Nobody knows that. Whether it's in the evening or at midnight. So we're hitting the dark hours. Or it's when the rooster crows or at dawn. We're hitting the early hours. I think they kind of go to those two extremes in case there's some folks that like to go to bed early and those that like to sleep in late. Uh, he's going to cover the bases. If he comes suddenly, there's a good chance that 
he might come suddenly. Do not let him find you sleeping. Hmm. Now, <clears throat> for the neurotic among us, this does not, I don't want you to take this verse out of context and say, therefore, I can never sleep. I've got to stay awake all the time. No, 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 no. Sleeping is, is what happens when we're not doing what we've been called to do. Don't sleep. Do what you're called to do. Do what he's called you to do. It's not about your body needing rest. That's about you not doing what you've been called to do. So what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Watch. You kind of get the feeling here at, at, at the last part of this little apocalypse of the Lord Jesus that he's kind of overflowing into some of the, the other parables that he taught about the talents and, and, and the money that was giving and how we invest and how we use and how we uh, develop. It's like, okay, Lord. So there's to be an anticipation, there's to be an eagerness as we look for his coming, the longing for his coming should also fuel our daily assignments, what he's called us to do. So what's your assignment? Well, I always go with the Shema. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's the first thing. It's the first and greatest commandment. Then I go with the Great Commission. If we don't, if we don't get the, the first commandment first in our life, we'll never get to the Great Commission. It's as we love him supremely, then we can hear him say, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I've taught you. Well, so when the little one gets older and we start loving, telling the little one about Jesus, wow, we're fulfilling the Great Commission. We're teaching to observe everything that the Lord has taught. And I think the last kind of general thing is, is the Acts 1.8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. And there's a sense of watch, but do your daily assignment. Do these things. Love the Lord. Do the Great Commission. Love your neighbor. Receive the Holy Spirit and be a witness in the earth. Because it's time, folks, he could come anytime, anytime. Everything that Jesus said, most of it fulfilled at the destruction in 70 AD of Jerusalem and the temple. Between here and now, it's like, he could come any time. 
Well, has the gospel been preached to every nation? I don't think you can use that as a disqualifier. I think the Father's timing, you know, the delay that Peter talks about is because of his mercy. He delays because he wants more kids in the family. He wants all the children to be with him. And so it's a delay. And the early church, you know, got a little frustrated, like, I thought he was going to be back by now. What's going on? But there's a delay. And it, there's still a delay. But he could come back any time. How does that hit you? As a pastor, I'm concerned for the, the one who sees that, and, and now they're, they're anxious, they won't sleep at night, they're worried. You can't, you can't figure out when he's coming. But what you can do is to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What you can do is be a witness of his love. That doesn't mean you have to get on a street corner and you gotta pass out tracts and beat people with the Bible. That just means you need love. You need to be a witness of his love, his light, his grace, his truth, his kindness. Be a kind, be a kind folk. This is the good news of the gospel that comes to us today. He could come. And there's a longing for his coming. But I don't, I don't preoccupy myself with trying to figure out the timing of that. I want to preoccupy myself with receiving his love, expressing and reciprocating that love back to him and to others. Okay? Let's pray. Jesus, you are absolutely amazing. You are the glorious one. The care that you had for your disciples continues to us today. Your care for us you don't want us to be deceived by people who can twist the scriptures. You don't want us to be deceived by false messiahs and false prophets. You don't want us to be uptight when there's wars, when Israel's in, in conflict. Lord, you want us to know that you love your kids and that you'll be with us, even if it's in the horrible, horrible time of human, just human evil to one to another. You've promised us of your presence, and we say thank you. Lord, all the pain that you endured you are faithful. And because you were tempted, you're able to help us in our temptation, in the testing and the trials. We thank you. I pray your peace on each one here. Bring peace to the heart that has a tendency toward anxiety. 
I pray, Lord, that you would take the mind that would, that would just race and race and race trying to figure out all the details and the nuances. I pray, Lord, that you would release a peace to that mind and soul and heart and that we would be found faithful at your appearing. We would be found faithfully doing what you've called us to do. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would grace us with an efficiency, with a grace to do it even better in the days to come. So we ask your peace on this place and upon the body of Christ universal. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.